guys and welcome back to another Right Back at Home podcast. In this podcast we're going to be looking at the transfers that have already happened in the Premier League and transfers likely to happen in the Premier League. And at the end we're going to have the five fun facts. Let's get into it. Let's start off with a transfer that seems to have been just waiting to be completed for ages now. It's Christopher Nkunku to Chelsea for a fee of £52 million on a six-year deal. He's only 25 and is a very versatile player and had some exceptional seasons at RB Leipzig. It's a real shame that he missed out on the World Cup due to injury. But this season, he's still got 16 goals and 6 assists in only 25 games due to his injury. Which is still very impressive for someone who isn't an out-and-out number 9. So I think this is going to be a really good deal for Chelsea. And it's interesting to see how Portocino fits him into his system. Sticking with the Chelsea theme is a player called Nicholas Jackson. He's moving to Chelsea from Villarreal for £32 million on an 8-year deal. Yes, an eight-year deal. He's only 22. He can play all along the front three. And it's just a very versatile and handy player to have in your squad. He scored 12 goals last season in La Liga, which is quite a good turnaround considering his age. And it was like he hasn't had much experience. And he does come off the wing most of the time. So it's pretty decent. Now then, Chelsea haven't just been signing players. They've been trying to sell them as well. And one of the players is Mateo Kovacic. He signed at Man City on a four-year deal for £25 million. He's 29 and let's see whether Pep can work his magic on him as well. He's a box-to-box midfielder who can play in either the deep role as an eight or even maybe pushing on a little bit seeing if Pep can work with him or not. He's, I think he's going to be a good signing overall. I think he's signed knowing he's going to be more of a squad player. Because let's be real, he's not getting in in front of Rodri. He's not getting in in front of De Bruyne. He's not getting in in front of Bernardo Silva. So he probably knows he's going to be more of a, you know, come off the bench, play in the cup sort of player more than, or oh, you're starting every week. But it's still quite a good signing. Another player Chelsea have let go is Kai Havertz to Arsenal for £65 million on a five-year deal. I don't know how they managed to get £65 million for him, considering he hasn't really shined at Chelsea, except from the Champions League final where he scored the winning goal against Man City. But maybe Arsenal see something in him. He is a versatile player who could play in the front line, or maybe Arsenal may even like to look to play him in the Xhaka role, which... He could then turn into the new Joel Linton, you know, not very good up top, but then turns out to be an amazing box-to-box midfielder. You know, he's the right, he's got the right build to do that. You never know. It could be an absolute steal. We'll just have to wait and find out. Now, staying with Arsenal, they're going to be signing Declan Rice from West Ham for a reported £105 million. £100 million up front. And five million pounds in add-ons. They just need to sort out the payment structure. Personal terms were never an issue, and then the player is all theirs. But let's just reverse back a bit to like the beginning of the week, where Arsenal made a ninety million package offer to West Ham, which they rejected. 
Then Man City came along and offered the same, which obviously West Ham then also rejected. And then they both clubs were then expected to come back in. Arsenal came in and hit that £100 million abbreviation which West Ham had. Then Man City were like, hold on, let's just take a step back and evaluate the scenario that's going on here and realise, yes, maybe this is a bit too much to pay for someone who we don't even necessarily need. I mean, they've got Rodri, who's absolutely world-class, probably one of the best defensive midfielders in the world at the moment. So they probably don't need a Declan Rice as well. I didn't really see how they were going to fit both of them in, but, you know, if you're going to get it to try and stop your biggest rivals, then you've got to do that, haven't you? But I think he's going to be a great signing for Arsenal, just what they need, because Thomas Partey, yes, he was good, but he got injured and it kind of got shown a bit. Yes, Jorginho did step up, but is there really a comparison between Thomas Partey and Jorginho? Because Jorginho isn't really a holding midfielder. He's more of a number eight, likes to get forwards more. But Thomas Partey's now 30, you know, he's been linked away. And Declan Rice is just a such better player than him. It's a great signing for Arsenal. And I really think it's going to help them push on and maybe even go for that title. Let's now move across to the other side in North London, Tottenham. They have now signed James Madison on a five-year contract for £40 million. Yes, only £40 million. It's an absolute steal. I don't know how Daniel Levy does this. I'm surprised Newcastle haven't come in and tried to be like, ooh, £40 million? Why don't we put an offer on the table? Because at the moment, Newcastle is a much more desirable club to go to than Tottenham. And they've got Champions League football. Tottenham haven't even got European football. So... I don't know what's been said to James Madison to make him go, but I just wish him the best there. It's a great signing for Tottenham. It's just what they need. You know, they haven't had this playmaker sort of player since Ericsson was there. He got 10 goals and 9 assists in a struggling Leicester team last season in the Premier League, which is it's not the best numbers, but at the same time, it's pretty decent if you look at Leicester's season on a whole. But he can supply to Harry Kane, can't he? You know, Son, if he gets back to his best, it could it, it could work. It could work. Let's now move down south of London and to Brighton, where they've signed Joao Pedro from Watford for a record club fee of £30 million on a five-year contract. He is very young, still, with 11 goals and four assists last season in the Championship. Could this be the striker at long last that could work at Brighton? Yes, they've got Danny Welbeck, but he's good off the ball, you know, pressing everything. But he really does he deliver in numbers? Not really. Dennis Undav, who they signed last season, hasn't really kicked on. He looked okay at the end of last season, but let's be real, he's not the striker that Brighton needs, especially now they're in Europa League. And want to cement that and also try and do well in Europe as well. You know, they can't just be, let's say, a Burnley member who got European football. But 
didn't really do anything then and then couldn't even get it the following season so hopefully this signing he'll score goals and be the missing link in this Brighton team let's now go from the south coast as north as you can go in the Premier League to Tyneside Newcastle United have signed Tonali from AC Milan for £60 million on a six-year deal. They're paying him £7 million a year and Milan have a 10% sell-on clause in the contract. He's only 23, he got seven assists from deep last season and he's just a really, really good player. A lot of Milan fans were sad to see him go, not only because he's a Milan boy, but he's the future. He's he's just been absolutely class to them all season, and it's just sad for them to see when their homegrown talents leave the club. But Newcastle fans should be very excited about this. It's what they've been missing in the midfield. Imagine the midfield of Tenali. Bruno Gimmerich and Joe Linton. They're going to be unstoppable. They're going to be like the old Liverpool. Just not stop running all game. Have amazing energy levels. Great signing by Newcastle. And I'm surprised other clubs didn't try and snatch onto this amazing deal. Talking of Liverpool. They signed Alex McAllister from Brighton for only £35 million. Yes. That's right, only £35 million, an absolute bargain. On a five-year contract, he got 10 goals, but only two assists last season. He is still young, so Klopp could use that to his advantage to mould him and then turn him into the midfielder he wants. Because when you look at Liverpool's formation, they basically play one holder, then two eights, who just run around and around and around. McAllister is more of a attacked-minded, creative midfielder player. So I don't really see how he fits in. But, you know, you just got to trust Klopp. He knows what he's doing. He could turn out to be a great eight in the midfield. You never know. But, yeah, overall, a very good signing. Even if it is with a squad depth, what a player to come off the bench, you know. Just fair play for Liverpool for getting this done early and stopping anyone else trying to sign him. Let's now have a look at another team that play in red. Manchester United. They have signed Mason Mount till 2028 for £55 million with £5 million in add-ons. Man United wanted to pay £55 million and Chelsea wanted £65 million, so they decided to meet in the middle. He is an extremely good signing, I feel, for Man United. He's got this creative flair from deep as well as in the forward line, so he can play out wide, but he can also play as an eight. Or even as an attacking midfielder as well. He's very, very versatile. I don't know why he wasn't playing more for Chelsea under Potter and then under Lampard as well. He's arguably was their best player. Well, he was for the past two seasons and he was voted their best player. You know, he's a Chelsea fan from as a boy. It's just, yeah, it's a shame to see homegrown talent just leave a club like that. But he wanted United, United wanted him. And in the end, they've got this deal done. Up next, we're going to look at Pau Torres moving to Aston Villa for 35 million euros with potential for another 5 million euros to be added on in add-ons. 
this deal came out of the blue completely. It's only because Bayern went for Kim Min Jae that Aston Villa had the chance to then sign Paul Torres. Unai Emery wanted Torres since day one and is thrilled to get this deal over the line. Personal terms were not an issue and it's a very good deal for Aston Villa considering he has a 60 million euros release clause in his Villarreal contract. They managed to get it for nearly half of that price. A fair play to the people at Aston Villa and he could turn out to be a very good signing for him. Him and Tyrone Mings at the back. Then maybe Diego Carlos as well. We haven't really seen much of him because he got quite a serious injury last season. But maybe he'll come back and turn out to be a very good centre-back as well. It's looking very good for Aston Villa. And, you know, they've got Europe as well, Europa Conference League. So, you never know, they need that depth as well. So, yeah, very good signing on Aston Villa's part. And now for our final transfer of this episode, we're going to be staying with Aston Villa and they're signing of Yuri Tielemans on a free. He signed a four-year deal. I just think this is just a very genuinely good deal for Aston Villa. Arsenal were in for him at one stage, and I don't know why they didn't follow through, because in the end, he is on a free, and it's just that squad depth. But it's a very good signing for Aston Villa. He's got so much talent, and it's very, very good in the ball, and he's just going to fill in for that squad depth and probably even prove himself and we could see him starting you know him Jean McGinn and Kamara maybe or him Jean McGinn and Jacob Ramsey you know they've got so many options now Aston Villa especially now they're in Europe they need these options to be able to kick on and maybe even get Europe next season as well on their part a very good signing but now up next, we're going to be looking at some of the rumours in the Premier League. The first rumour we're going to look at is Urian Timber to Arsenal. Personal terms have been agreed for a contract till 2028. Arsenal submitted a bid of €45 million Euros to Ajax and... Ajax have not responded yet to Arsenal. They, we think they will, but nothing has officially happened yet. So, yeah, this one's kind of hit a stalemate at the moment. Maybe Ajax want a bit more, but I don't know how much more Arsenal could put in because they've brought Havertz for 65 mil and Rice for 105, it could be, in the end. And then they're looking at another, what, 40 million on Timber? Yeah, they're going to have to structure this deal extremely well. That could be what the issue is. But anyway, the player, the player is very good. He's had some very good seasons for Ajax. He's still young and could develop a lot. And he could be a very good centre-back partner to Saliba. I think him and Saliba, two young centre-backs could be very good for Arsenal and it just adds that extra depth that Arsenal need because let's face it Rob Holding if you're going for titles Rob Holding is not the cover centre-back you need in your squad Gabriel Saliba and Urian Timber three very good centre-backs those are the sort of centre-backs you want in your squad to be able to push for Premier League titles and cement your spot in the Champions League. 
Staying in the London area, we have Moses Caicedo, who's been linked with Chelsea and United. United approached the player on Wednesday, but I don't think United wants to be paying the £80 million asking price that Brighton want. Whereas Chelsea, they've already agreed personal terms with the player. The player would like to move to Chelsea, and it's just whether Chelsea decide to afford it. There is one stumbling block, though, in this whole deal. It's Brighton would like Levi Colwell, who they had on loan last season from Chelsea, but Chelsea do not want to get rid of Colwell as they see him as the future of their defence. So here is a little stumbling block that either team need to try and overcome and see if they can find a solution to this. But Potticino would like to work with Caicedo. Caicedo would like to work with Potticino. And I think he'll be a great defensive midfielder for them. It's just whether they can get this deal over the line. Let's now move on to Manchester City. They have been linked with Gavardio, the RB Leipzig centre-back. He is an astounding player. He's only 21 and he's been tipped to be the next best centre-back in the world. Personal terms have been agreed between the club and the player, but Leipzig want €100 million Euros and to make him the most expensive centre-back of all time. But I think he'll be an absolutely great signing. Man City and Pep could work his magic on him and turn him into the next John Stones, you know, have him at centre back, push him on into midfield. He can also play at right back, so he could play the role where he starts off at right back, then goes into that holding midfielder role alongside Rodri. I just think this deal would make sense. It's just whether Man City meet the asking price of RB Leipzig. Or RB Leipzig lower their asking price to a more reasonable price for Man City to then swoop in and buy him. But yeah, I just feel like he's a very good player. He's also very good with the ball at his feet. And this deal just makes sense. Staying in Manchester, Man United would like to sign Andre Onana from Inter Milan. Inter Milan would like 50 million euros minimum them to even consider selling Onana. Just remember Onana has only been with Inter Milan for one season but he's absolutely shined for them. He made the most saves in the Champions League last season and he's just been outstanding. He's calm with the ball at his feet. He's just commands his box so well. He's just going to be an amazing signing for United if they can get this deal done. Ten Hag would like him it's just whether they can move De Gea out of the way. But there's been talks of him maybe signing a one-year contract extension. But I think they just need to move on from De Gea now. Last season showed that, yes, he can still save goals. But he also makes some very, very silly mistakes. And I think they now need to take Onana, who's still young, and develop under him and build around him. Build a defence of a young keeper who they can be able to keep for the next 5-10 years. Let's now turn our attention to the north of the country and Newcastle. They're interested in Tino Livramento from Southampton. 
the 20-year-old right-back has been outstanding for Southampton when he has played. But he has only just come back from tearing his ACL. So there's always that little bit of doubt over how well the player will then perform and if he can get back to the levels he was before. But Southampton are only looking for £12 million for him and he could be a very good replacement for Trivia, who is now getting into the twilight of, of his career and they can't keep relying on someone who is ageing to keep getting 7, 8, 9 out of 10 performances week in, week out, especially now they're playing in the Champions League. They need some depth and some cover behind Trippier in case he does get injured because he is getting a bit older. So there is always that increased risk that he could. So this, I think, could be a very good signing if they can get it over the line. It's just some very good recruitment by Newcastle again. Not spending big, not spending silly, just very small and clever signings here and there. Let's now have a look at Liverpool. They're interested in Dominic Zabozalai from RB Leipzig. He has a £70 million release clause in his contract. The player is happy to make the move and talks are progressing to the final stages. Take of that what you will. But personally, I think this is a bit of a strange deal in a way because they've just signed McAllister. And McAllister and Sabozalai are very, very similar players. They both like to play in that attacking central midfield role. And if you just went out and bought McAllister, I don't really think there is the need to go out and buy another one for nearly double the amount just just spent on McAllister. It does seem a little bit strange, but maybe Liverpool have some different plans and this could turn out to be a very good signing if it goes through. You never know. And now it's time for our final rumour of this week's episode. And it comes from a player called Federico Chiesa. Liverpool and Newcastle are both interested in this player. Juventus want between 30 and £35 million pounds for the player. His contract expires in 2025, so he's still got two years left. But this is the time when you can maximise the amount of money you can make. He's an excellent player. I just remember how well he played at last Euros. He basically carried Italy to the final. And he's just such a good player. He's been out all season with a knee injury. So that does put a bit of doubt in your mind to whether he can get back to those sort of performances. But if he can, wow, such a good price, such a good price. I can see why Newcastle are in for him because it's someone to replace Alan St. Maxman because they're looking to try and get rid of him. But for Liverpool, I don't really understand this because they, in January, went out and got Cody Gapo. Last summer, they got Nunes. They've already got Jota and Salah there at the club. But I suppose Firmino has left, but he didn't play much anyway when he was there the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, I'm not too sure about this deal, but you never know. He could get straight into that Liverpool front three or that Newcastle front three. So, yeah, it could work. It could work. Up next are the five fun facts. And this week, it's on Real Madrid. 
Right then, let's get into it. Fact number one. The name of Real Madrid comes from the word Royal Madrid, as Real is Spanish for Royal. The reason for this is they were granted royalty status by King Alfonso in 1928. This is also why there is a crown on their badge. Fact number two. On the 23rd of November 1947, they became the first Spanish team to number their players. This was against Atletico Madrid in the Metropolitano Stadium. Fact number three, they were the first team in La Liga's history to get 100 points in a single season, managing to do so in the 2011-12 season. Fact number four, Espanyol have inflicted the most defeats on Real Madrid, which is 115 in only 191 games. For context, Barcelona have 103 wins against Real Madrid in 254 games. And finally, fact number five is the only team to never concede to Real Madrid in the Champions League is Arsenal. Yes, that's right. Have all the number of clubs that Real Madrid have faced, they've only ever failed to concede against one team. Yes, only one team. Well, that'll be it for everything in this episode. Thank you ever so much for listening and I'll catch you in two weeks time for the next one.